Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Annie, and welcome to another episode of Limelight, the Falcon Film Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about romance movies, and we have a very special guest with us today, Aubrey, who's our Perspectives Editor for The Falcon as well, is here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Yeah, Aubrey. of course. Hello, Emma. Yeah, thank you for joining us today um, as we talk about romance films. So yeah, do you, do you want to start us off, Annie? I mean, oh, romance films. I think that, I think that the romance genre gets a lot of hate and a lot, just kind of a bad rep because people are so quick to label it as, you know, corny or, oh, that's just a chick flick or, you know, they might be more superficial than other films. But I think that romance films just they really allow you to kind of find the romantic within yourself. I feel like there's just something very kind of intimate and special for me about watching romance films because just, just seeing, you know, characters fall in love is just, I just think it's beautiful. And I also think that a film can be romantic in other ways than just love. You know, if you're thinking about like the romantic side of life or things like that, where it's just kind of this idyllic, you know, picturesque kind of vibe, I guess. And I think that there are lots of films that embody that part of romance without, you know, the lovey-dovey, oh boy likes a girl kind of storyline. So yeah, I mean, I like romance films because they just kind of get you in your feels, but there's also lots of different ways that they do that and lots of different strategies used by screenwriters or directors or the actors and actresses. So yeah, I, I think that romance films are definitely, you know, a much better experience than some people might make them out to be. Personally, I love romance movies. Like every time I'm looking for a new movie to watch, I always go to the romance tab on Netflix first. Um, even like movies that aren't romance specific, I prefer movies that just generally have romantic subplots in them. Uh, there's this one movie with Dwayne Johnson called The San Andreas Fault or something like that. It's such a bad movie. Like, it's objectively horrible. But the first time I watched it, I was like, I adore this film. Just because there's a romantic subplot. And I was like, wow, I love this. I, I adore this. This is my favorite thing ever. So I, I have really bad movie taste, probably, because I only like movies that have romantic subplots. I just think because I enjoy the anticipation of it, of like knowing, like, you know, they're going to get together in the end. but you still like to kind of, oh, what's going to happen? Like, when are they going to get together? What what miscommunication trope is going to happen before they get there? Like, I think I also like romance because it's very um, predictable. Like, you, you know that it's going to be fine in the end. And so I think I like the comfort of romance movies as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, you got it, Emma. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I'm definitely, I wouldn't consider myself in general like a... A, a romance movie person like stuff that is solidly in the genre but I I do I do love a good um romance romantic subplot in movies like and I feel like it just it just adds another like you know layer and like dimension to like I mean obviously it's something that can be integrated into any different kind of movie and uh I just I I, I like you know the different things that it can add to it in terms of 
like sometimes if it just has like you know a really like underlying you know just like sweet romance in an otherwise like super intense movie it can kind of like um lighten it up and stuff and so that's kind of I think the kind of romance I prefer personally but it is partly for the reason um that I think you were talking about Aubrey about it it can be just kind of you know comforting and endearing and stuff like that yeah I mean I think one thing that's very special about romance specifically is that it fits and gels so well with basically any other genre. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have a romantic drama, you can have a romantic comedy, you can have a romantic action film. Like it just goes with so many other things so well. And I, I think that's something that's kind of specific to the romance genre because I, I don't think there's any other genres that are as versatile and I think that one that that comes to mind, and I'm sure all of us, you know, adore this film, but the uh, 2005 Pride and Prejudice adaptation with Kira Knightley, um, it's that will forever be one of my favorite films for so many reasons. But I love it because it's you know it's obviously a romance film, you know, because you have you know Elizabeth and Darcy who are just head over heels for each other but won't admit it out of pride and prejudice (laughs) um whoa it's the title of the movie (laughs) who would have guessed um (laughs) but I also love it because it's so dramatic and it's got you know elements of comedy Mrs. Bennett's one of the funniest people in that film and there's also this really tender kind of father-daughter relationship between Elizabeth um and her father and I think that that's just one film that comes to mind that is romantic you know just in nature but it's also so many other fantastic things and all together it just works to create this amazing beautiful romantic story and it's just stunning yeah Pride and Prejudice the 2005 version it was at the top of my list of like movies that I wanted to talk about during Thanks. this podcast. Yeah. yeah, I I like grew up watching Pride and Prejudice. I've probably seen it a hundred times in my life. Like literally, my sister and I used to watch it every time she came home from college. So it was like a tradition. And I literally like I love that movie so much. It's so good. I think part of the reason that I really like it is because like a lot of modern movies and TV shows are very like relationships are all about sex in in them which I'm like it's kind of reality so like I appreciate that I guess but Pride and Prejudice like the only time they touch until they get married is when he like holds her hand helping her into the carriage like the hand the hand squeeze oh my gosh iconic and so it's like I, I wrote in like my little notes I wrote the yearning like it's just so like a slow burn like I love a slow burn and you mm-hmm. just you're just watching these these two people and they're so they're so like strong-willed which is so cool but then they're also falling in love which is so sweet and so I think it also kind of shows that like really strong independent people can still be very strong and independent but also in love so I just I think Pride and Prejudice is like the perfect movie yeah I mean talk about like any kind of tension in romance whether it's like sexual tension or just emotional tension I mean there's so so many romantic films that 
use kind of tension as a way to either keep audiences engaged or to, you know, kind of explain more about the characters that are falling in love. I mean, I think one that I'm thinking of right now is um, The Notebook, which is another classic romance film. Uh, and you, you know, throughout that movie, you're thinking about, oh, like, is Allie going to choose Noah, who's this, you know, kind of as a summer love from Once Upon a Time, but was her first love and someone she cared about on a really deep level? Or is she going to choose this high society man who might look better on paper, but would never offer her, you know, the kind of passionate romance that Noah would and it's this whole you know the second half of the notebook is about which person is Allie going to choose and it's just you know audiences are kind of going back and forth back and forth and the tension really builds throughout that movie because you just don't know what she's going to do so that's another example of kind of how tension can create a really enticing engaging story in a romance film I'll confess I've never actually seen the notebook (gasps) I haven't either (laughs) oh my gosh you guys, my, it's romance week. My romance <laughs> repertoire is admittedly small. It's mostly limited to like film adaptations of Jane Austen novels. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, too, have you I'm seen Have you seen Sense and Sensibility? I have not. That's the next one that my mom is going to. <laughs> you Annie, know, you look so disappointed. Oh my word. I okay it, talking about Jane Austen adaptations clueless literally top four favorite movies I love clueless it's so good obviously it's iconic shares outfits like you can always look to her for fashion and inspo and the ugh, it's so good it's such a good adaptation I love how they modernized it do I wish that they had not made Josh and Cher step siblings yes I do I do wish they were not siblings they probably could have worked around that. But other than that, I adore Clueless. Wait, I have I have also not seen this movie. Is this the one that is is this the one that's based off of um Emma? Yeah, it's based off of Emma. Okay. Because I have seen um I have seen Emma. Funny story actually about that. That's where my parents got the idea for my name when they saw the um 1996 film adaptation of Emma. That's actually how they came up with my name. That's so, that, so that cute. Has a special place in my heart. I'm not a huge fan of the um, more like recent um, adaptation of it, but I do I do enjoy that one partly also because it has that very personal story. So fun fun fact about me. I love that. That's so cute, and I think with you know, adaptations, there's plenty of adaptations of Jane Austen novels, but I think another author that lends their stories very well to adaptations is Shakespeare, you know, and if we're talking about kind of modern adaptations, you know, I mean, there's the, the uh, version of Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, which is amazing and modern and just everything that's romantic and tragic all at the same time it's really well done but there's also you know 10 things i hate about you which is based on taming of the shrew and then you have films like she's the man which is based on 12th night so there's just there's a lot more kind of modern 
adaptations of romance stories, I think, than people realize. And I mean, they're all fantastic. I, I think that romance stories that begin as literal stories as books often lend themselves really well to film adaptations. So I really appreciate that people are, that people started to do that more kind of in recent years. I think that that's something that's really clever. Yeah. I didn't actually realize like how, until you were like just saying that, like how many of those there are, like those Mm -hmm. modern adaptations. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it's, I think my inclination would be, I feel like that makes kind of makes sense because I feel like, you know, stories like that, centered around romance at its core kind of for lack of a better word like kind of like timeless I feel like because yeah. that's still I feel like will almost always be something that people connect to because I you know there I feel like there will always be an audience for for romance whether it be just for the comfort or um fantasy of it no so, yeah that's so yeah. real I mean I mean, like, for like, let's take Romeo and Juliet, like classic boy loves girl, but parents don't approve, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like the kind of forbidden love aspect is very enticing. And like you Mm -hmm. were saying, like, might be, you know, something that some people dream about or like, oh, I wish that would happen to me or it just sounds, it's very adventurous and it's very exciting. And I think that that element of romance is something that makes romance films really fun to watch because you know that they and they know the people in the films know that what they're doing is wrong and it's forbidden but that kind of makes it even more exciting than it would Mm be because of that tension yeah yeah tension I'm telling you it makes it makes for a good romance film yeah one of my favorite I would say it's one of my like top 10 favorite movies is the 2014 version of Endless Love I don't know if you guys have seen it it's so bad like it is horrible. Is that, is that the one with um Alex Pettifer? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. It is like once again, like I feel like I need to reiterate, I really love horrible movies that just have romantic plots. So anyway, Endless Love is probably like a little bit problematic as well because he low-key, the main character low-key stalks the girl that he's in love with. But it's it goes back to the forbidden love thing. Like the whole plot line is that the main character whose name I can't remember at the moment. Annie, do you remember what his name I is? I don't. I'll just it's, call him Alex. Yeah. Alex okay. is the actor's Alex name. Alex yeah. That's the actor um, for people who don't yeah. know. <laughs> so Alex is like in love with this girl, Jade, um, but she is from like a really high, like rich family. And uh, Alex is from like, his dad owns like an auto body shop and he like works there. So he's not even going to college. Whereas Jade is going to Yale for like the pre-med track. And yeah, so- Jade's family doesn't approve of Alex at all and then they like run away together kind of but then there's like a restraining order and then it's all very dramatic and I love it so much oh man I forgot all about that movie forgot all about it my favorite thing about that film is the soundtrack it actually does have very good kind of fun music about it and I feel like we can't have a, a romance or an episode about romance films without mentioning Nicholas Sparks films because I mean I guess the notebook is a Nicholas Sparks film but I mm-hmm. feel like that is 
he almost has like his own like subgenre in romance films. Mm-hmm. Um, and for for listeners who don't know, Nicholas Sparks is a romance novelist, and many of his books have been made into films. And I'm trying to think, what are some of them? I mean, The Notebook, A Walk to Remember, which is one of the oh my gosh, literally one of remember. the most so good. Sad. I mean, it's oh, it'll wreck you emotionally, but what a film it's amazing it's so good and then i think my favorite nicholas sparks film is either the last song with miley cyrus and liam hemsworth and not the last song oh it's so good i love it i think it's great either that one or the vow with channing tatum and rachel mcadams that's a really fun one too my family and I used to watch Safe Haven a lot. That's yep. Nicholas Sparks, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I went and saw that one in the in the theaters with my sister wow. when that came out. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad really likes that one, so I don't know what that means. But um, yeah, Safe Haven. There's another one. Oh, um, Charlie St. Cloud with oh, Zac Efron. Where Zac Efron went from a boy to a man, mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he in... He's in another Nicholas Sparks one too. The lucky one. That's yes. Sparks, oh my gosh. Yeah. With um, what's her name? Taylor Schilling. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I only care about Zach. So. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about Nicholas Sparks films that I really like is that they're, I mean, some people might say that they're kind of one note because they are all romance films, but all of those films have such different plots. You know, I mean, if we're thinking about a walk to remember, it's like, the popular guy who falls for the preacher's daughter and then realizes that she has a terminal illness. And then with the vow, you know, it's this kind of hip married couple in Chicago who get in a car accident and then the wife loses her memory due to a traumatic brain injury and forgets everything about her husband or like safe haven which is where, oh, that's a sad one, but it's where, you yeah. know, a woman is in an abusive marriage and she escapes and goes, kind of sets up this whole new identity for herself in a different town. So, I mean, they're all very dramatic, very dramatic, very much, you know, centered around kind of romance, but they are all very different in my opinion. And I think that's one thing that I really like about them. I was going to say, those all sound so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely I mean, aren't the happiest films that you're ever going to watch. No, no, but, but end nice, kind of. Yeah, for, I mean, they of. they have a very definite resolution at the end. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not necessarily the happiest, you know, resolution in all of the different films. But I mean, most of them do end in a happy ish way. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also really indicative of just love in general. Because, you know, if you're in a romantic relationship and things don't end well, you know, that's just life. That's how it works sometimes. And, you know, people who assume that love is only ever this like happy-go-lucky, OMG, I love this person, everything in my world is perfect because of them. (laughs) Sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but that is not how love works. Um, And I think that certain romance films do a really great job of kind of highlighting that and saying like yeah these people love each other but their relationship is not perfect their life isn't perfect but that's how it goes which I love because yeah I think that that's just an important thing to include in films in general just to make them 
kind of more about real life. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot, not every romance film, obviously, but I think a lot of Nicholas Sparks films in general do a really good job of kind of balancing the romance aspect with the real life aspect as well. Well, speaking of a uh, movie where they don't end up together in the end, one of my, I keep saying all these are my favorite movies, but they are. It's true. Yeah, you can, have more than, you can have more than one favorite film. Hello. <laughs> Okay, so um, it's the por- portrait of a lady on fire. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's so basically it's it's a French film, so it is in French. Rip but my it's heart about, out, why don't you? Oh my word! <laughs> it's about this painter. What is her name? I don't remember what her name is. I don't remember either. because uh, it's French. Yes. I need to remember. Um, I want I want to say it's like Marianne or something like that. But she is hired by this woman to paint a portrait of this woman's like adult daughter because they're going to send it to her future husband. Uh, the daughter's name is Eloise. And so the painter comes to the island, but the, the catch is that Eloise refuses to sit for a portrait because she doesn't want to marry this man. And so they like lie about the painter's real reason for being there. And then her and Eloise like fall in love. And it's like, it's so like, sweet and just beautiful but then in the end obviously it takes it takes place in like the 1800s I want to say so it's like a period piece um we love a good and then, period piece I love a good period piece um but in the end they don't end up together because Eloise has to go off and marry this other man but so they, they don't end up together but it's still like a really beautiful ending because there's this final scene where they see each other like one last time and it's, oh, it's so beautiful. It's an, oh, it's such a good film. I would so recommend. I feel like that's also a really common trope in romance films is kind of people either meeting again at the end or exchanging like a brief kind of like a look or kind of a brief interaction. I think La La Land is one that I'm thinking mm. of where yeah, for sure. she like looks over her shoulder at at him on stage and there's just that brief moment where they don't even have to say anything but they know what the other person is thinking or wow this is a throwback but dear john with channing tatum and amanda Seyfried, where he is um he's in the military and that kind of disrupts their love life for a while but they meet again at the end and are seen like in this little coffee shop together and they're just kind of catching up or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. There's definitely kind of those full circle moments in movies where the characters kind of come together at the end in a really romantic kind of heart touching way. And I like that element of romance films a lot. All right, friends, it has come to the time in the episode where we do a little segment we like to call weekly what to watch And we will be, we'll each give you a recommendation for a film that we think that you should see based on what our subject is this week. So I can start us off. My weekly what to watch for romance is 500 Days of Summer, which is a film starring Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's definitely not kind of the kind of romance film we were talking about where it's, you know, all happy go lucky, you know, love fixes everything. It's not that kind of movie. It's about um, a man who meets a, a woman named summer and she's in his life for exactly 500 days. And 
one of my favorite things about this movie is that it doesn't go in chronological order. So it'll start you out kind of at the beginning of their relationship and then it might jump to the end and then kind of in little bits and pieces in the middle. And I, I love it because it tells such an honest story about love and love between two people that aren't necessarily destined for each other, but can still create really meaningful moments in each other's lives. And it's, I mean, it's romantic, it's funny, it's sad, it's dramatic. It just kind of has little bits and pieces of everything that you want in a good movie and in a good romance. So my recommendation is 500 Days of Summer. All right. So um, I already talked a little bit about um, my recommendation for today, but mostly just gave that um, fun little anecdote. <clears throat> so my, my weekly one to watch is Emma, specifically the um, 1996 version with um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Don't love Gwyneth Paltrow, but she does well in this movie. Yeah, I, I really like this movie, special to me for personal reasons, like I mentioned, but um, basically, you know, set in the past based on the um, Jane Austen novel. It's about um, this woman, Emma, who has, has a habit of playing matchmaker a lot. And she does it, she ends up doing it a bit too much and it doesn't go super well and ends up interfering with the lives of people that she knows and eventually her own love life because she ends up falling in love as well at the end of it. And it's it's kind of messy, like, you know, the whole romance is very all over the place and stuff, but like, I, yeah, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a fun movie to watch and uh, yeah. 10 out of 10 would recommend that. Not sure, not sure where you can watch it, but um, if you can find it, would recommend. All right. So my movie that I'm recommending is But I'm a Cheerleader from 1999. It's it's a movie about this girl. Uh, <laughs> it's very camp. So just be prepared for that. It's camp. Uh, it is about this girl, Megan, who is a cheerleader. And one day she her parents sit her down uh, for an intervention and they are like, we know that you're gay and we're going to send you to conversion therapy. But the thing is, Megan doesn't think that she's gay and she is. She is gay, but she doesn't realize it until her parents say it. And then they end up sending her to this conversion therapy, which obviously conversion therapy, horrible. But the way that they portray it is is very comedic and very camp. Like, I just I have to say camp, like, every two seconds. It's, like, also a very beautiful film. Like, the color palette is super cool. But at the conversion camp, Megan meets this other girl, Graham, and they, like, fall in love at conversion camp. Um, and it's really, really sweet. And, like, in the end, they escape together. And it's really sweet. And, like, it's a gay movie that's actually for the gays, you know? Like, it's not... It doesn't play into the fetishization of queer people, which we always love not doing that. We love not fetishizing queer people. And what I really love about it is there's a lot of stereotypes in the movie. Like a lot of the gay men and the gay women are very stereotypical. But even so, it's not it's not done offensively. It's relatable kind of a little bit like it, it feels accurate, not not tokenizing which is really fun. And it's also just like such a fun movie uh, and it's free on YouTube. So that's a, that's a perk. So that is my recommendation for the week. 
Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode about romance films. And thank you, Aubrey, for joining us as our guest today. Yay, thank yes, you so I much. I had such a good time. Well, again, I'm Emma. And I'm Annie. And this has been another episode of Limelight, the Falcon Film Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you on our next episode.